We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And before we go, Elizabeth nails it. The IB Champions Lounge was my best Christmas gift. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. And you can do that. You can gift it for someone else. You just have to create a username and a password that you think they would want to use. And then you can pay for it that way and just make sure that you give them that login information. So you can certainly do that as a gift as well. It's mailbag time, Mr. Roberts. And I want to jump into it first. We have a super sticker from Nathan Milton. Nathan, thank you very, very much for that. We appreciate that. Let's dive right into these questions, Ryan. There's some good ones. I mean, you guys always give us good questions. But uh, once again, some good questions. And we've got here, we'll start off here right now with USMA. This question is, will a freshman see meaningful time based on comment earlier this week, not looking good for defensive freshmen? Well, I mean, yeah, if they handle things the way that they did last year, Ryan, then yeah, I don't expect to see a lot of freshmen other than maybe Christian Gray, right? I mean, right. I just that's just the – now, I don't know what Chris O'Leary will do with a freshman, to be honest with you, because we've never really seen him with a freshman <laughs> because they didn't sign anybody in 22. Uh, I'm trying to remember who – in 21, they signed guys that just weren't – I mean, they just weren't guys that should be coming in and playing. It's Justin Walters and Kerry yeah. G, who are more down-the-road guys – this is the first time you know we've seen him land a freshman that should be, you know, have a shot to play. Mike Mickens got two freshmen ready to play last year to to varying yep. degrees of success. We've seen him do it before. Clarence Lewis started as a true freshman when Tariq Bracey got down. Clarence Lewis came, stepped in, and started as a freshman uh, on a team that went and played, uh, made it to the playoff that year. So Mike Mickens has shown he can do that. The other coaches, the D line, the linebacker coaches, have not shown that they're able to get young guys ready to play. They have sure. not shown that. Hopefully that changes this year. We'll see. But, you know, look, what we, tr- we, we want to be optimistic and we want to be excited. And I'm very excited about this team, but we also have to be honest. And, and I can't sit there and tell you, oh, yeah, 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 Al Washington's going to get those guys ready. I haven't seen him do it, right? I need to see him right. do it first. I can't tell you, oh, Al Golden's going to make the necessary changes. And I hope those things happen, but I don't, I, I've got to see it. So we got to be honest about it too, right? I don't, Ryan, I do not like getting on here and some people may not believe this, but it's true. You know, this, I don't like getting on here and being critical and oh, this right. isn't, I would much rather be excited. I don't want that negativity, but I also don't want to be dishonest Yes, and I don't want to paint a prick picture. That's, that's not accurate. I'm going to tell you what I think can happen, but also tell you what I think might be the stumbling blocks of that happening. If Al Golden and Al Washington, do a good job of coaching this year across the board. This team is going to be scary good. Agree. Because those are the two roadblocks for me. I'm I'm actually like the offensive staff. I really do. It now is it at the this is what it's going to look like, and I'm happy here and I'm happy there. This is exactly what this is my picks. No, it wasn't, but I take that away and you have to evaluate for what it is. I'm yeah. very optimistic about this offensive line or offensive staff. You know, I, I I came around on Joe Rudolph. It's a good football coach. Is he Harry Heestand? Who is? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's a good football coach. 
uh, and, and you know, Gino Gadouli was, I think, a great hire as the quarterbacks coach. I mean, a Agreed. great hire in my opinion. Yeah. And Jared Parker's an unknown. He's an unproven as a coordinator. Here's what I know, though. He did a heck of a job last year at the tight ends. Well, he had Michael Mayer. Go watch Michael Mayer develop technically throughout the season. Do you know how hard it is to get a guy that's already a star to take the fundamentals of the game seriously right. as a first-year coach? I had trouble getting my star 1AA players to, to buy in that way. Imagine what it's like for a guy that's about to be a first-round threat. But you know what? He bought in and he became a much better football player. Overall, all-around football player. And Michael Mayer brings it up like unprompted. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to ask him about Jared Parker. He'll talk about the improvements under Coach Parker because right. of the respect he has for him. Right. And and Michael Mayer was blessed that he had, in my opinion, two good position coaches in his career at Notre Dame. I thought John McNulty did a good job, and I think Jared Parker took it to another level. McNulty, I think, helped him in more in the pass game. I think Parker helped him be a better all-around player. And, and I also know that his res primary responsibility at West Virginia was red zone play calling. And the only good thing West Virginia did on offense in his two years was score in the red zone. That's yeah. about the only thing they did well in his two years. They were in the top 20, I think, both years. And so that's all I know. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. But here's the thing. He's surrounded by an excellent staff. Right. And you go back to where Tommy Reese was in 2020 and 21, and I don't think he was surrounded by a very good staff. I think Lance Taylor and John McNulty were good football coaches, no doubt. But receiver and O-line, bad football coaches, average to, to, to bad, right? Now, at the very least, he's got a good football coach at every offensive position, yep. minimum good football coach. And, and in a couple spots, he's got – one of the best in the country with a proven track record, Gino Gadulli at quarterback and Dylan McCullough at running backs. Chancey's still developing as a coach, but first year is pretty good. Joe Rudolph, reputation-wise, one of the better offensive line coaches in the country. Certainly top 10, top 10, 15, right? Which is a yeah. significant upgrade over what they had the two times they made the playoff, right? Think about it. They have a much better O-line. Yeah, he's not Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan never made the was never part of a playoff team. And Those we can't, are Jeff Quinn years. We can't judge a coach based upon an all-time grade either. Like, it's not fair, right? right. It's like, just because Joe Rolfe isn't Harry Heastan doesn't mean he's not good. It's just that he's not right. Harry Heastan. Well, and, and, and some of the concern people have is because I expressed concern early on, and, and I think you did as well. But I was open enough to say, to trust the people that I know, that whose knowledge of the game I respect, to go dive into the film, and to a degree, give them the benefit of the doubt. One of the things that we were told, Ryan, by multiple people, was I know this guy when he's not a coordinator, it's going to make his lines even better. And you break down the film and you're like, yeah, he wasn't working with the same kind of athletes at Wisconsin that he's going to be working with at Notre Dame. If we're going to be honest, especially the last couple of years when his lines weren't, weren't that good, in my opinion, they just didn't have the same level of players there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it, you say, well, you got to recruit those guys, but he, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the offensive staff. The defensive one is the question mark. If yeah. they answer our questions and concerns appropriately and 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 do a good job, Ryan, man, I'm telling you, this team's got a chance to be really good. And then we will then see the freshmen playing in some capacity, in some role, the freshmen and sophomores making an impact. And that ultimately has me excited because I want to root for Al Washington and Al Golden. Right. They, especially I've, Ryan, you know this. You and I have talked about this. I mentioned that you know how much respect I have for Al Golden as a as a person and as a coach. Yep. But I also have to be honest in what I see on the field. I I can't let my personal feelings about him cloud that. He's one. I was sharing some. He's one of the few Division One coaches I ever came across in my years as a one double A and D three coach that ever showed the willingness to engage and talk ball and, and, you know, do those kind of things. Right. Most of them are just like, well, whatever. And I yeah. love that about him. Right. Mike grows another one who I have a great deal of respect for in that, in that regard. And, and you, so you, you want him to be successful. I want him to do well. I've been around Al Washington like twice. And yeah. in both times, you're like, but this seems like a guy that I would enjoy hanging out with. Right. Like, and then you hear things about him. Like he seems like a good guy. I want him to be successful, but I also can't allow that to cloud my judgment and say, but he didn't do a good job. He's got to do a better job. And I hope that they do. Cause if those two guys step up this year, Ryan, I'm telling you, 
this team is going to be really, really good. Yeah. Really good. And that's what that's where my excitement comes from, to be honest with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, at the at the core, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, right? So I always want the, the program to be successful. Like, I don't want anybody not to do well. It's just we can't be honest and give legitimate, legitimate conversation and legitimate, you know, opinion if you aren't going to look at it and say it has to get better, right? Like, it has to get better because – there are be- there are there is more talent than what is was shown a hundred percent in the twenty twenty two season. There was still good on the defensive side of the football, but it wasn't nearly as consistent enough. And you weren't playing the talent at times in certain spots that you probably could have. So there has to be a willingness to play some of the younger guys. There has to be a willingness to grow as a coach, man. Like at the end of the day, that has to be a thing that you kind of you harp on this offseason. And I hope they realize it because I want Notre Dame to win a national championship. That's, yes. that's that's what it is. Like I want them to win. First, as a Notre Dame fan, and as a business owner, and someone who covers Notre Dame in your in your instance, like it's good for us when that happens. You know. So, hey Ryan, I don't know if you're paying attention to to uh, if any of y'all are paying attention to uh, what's going on in the NCAA tournament today. But uh, West Virginia, I'm I'm zero for two so far, Ryan. And my I only did one bracket this year. I'm only going to do one. I did that for fun. I picked West Virginia to beat Maryland. Maryland came back and won that game. But then Furman beat Virginia. Nice. On a shot, shot like two seconds left. You have to go watch. Virginia guy just chucks it down the court like Hail Mary. Furman guy picks it off and hits like a MB, like way, like Steph Curry range three with like two <laughs> seconds left to beat Virginia. Virginia so – Outside of that one year they made the run to win a championship, Virginia just sucks so bad in the NCAA tournament so many times. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So wild start, wild start so far, uh, so far in the NCAA tournament for those who are paying attention. I kind of got it on the, you know, the side TV right now. So um, here we got one from timeout Tom. His question is the move of junior to Ilamaka to Viper is still confusing. Was it because the coaches felt he was better suited for it and would be more impactful there or because he wasn't hacking it at middle linebacker? I don't know. I mean, look, Sean or Sean Ryan, I thought he looked really good in the blue gold game. Yeah, I did. Looked good I, in the, it, it looked good in the spring in general. It's yeah. wild because I hear that they, they say to him, he outgrew the position, but then I hear that they're constantly telling Nolan Ziegler, put on more weight, put on more weight, put on more weight. You guys got to, you guys are like schizophrenic with your advice to players. You know, so I don't know why they moved him to Viper. Maybe they felt they had the need there. I thought it was just a need for 2023. They didn't want to burn uh, Josh Burnham's red shirt. And Junior was already starting on special teams. Maybe that was it. But I don't get it, Ryan. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest with you. I don't think he's an every down Viper. I think he can flat out play Mike. And, you know, again, if, if you have a defense that that doesn't have a, a place for junior to market middle linebacker already, then maybe maybe your defense is the problem. But I still don't get that one. I really do not get that one, especially yeah. this early. I, I think the answer to that question could both be no, Tom. I mean, honestly, and we'll never know the true answer. To, well, we, we won't know the true answer to that in the immediacy anyway, as far as, you know, why that move was made. But it is a little bit of a head scratcher because, I mean, literally we just had a conversation about who's the heir apparent at Mike Linebacker, right? It's like it could have been Junior Trelibaca, maybe, like, you know what I mean? So 
very, very strange, especially when it happens. It, that was kind of the weirdest part was when it happened for me, too. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next one here, Mr. Roberts. Question from Christopher Galloway. Just random question. What was the best juke move by a Notre Dame ball carrier? I say Theo Riddick against USC in 2020. I'm sorry, 2012. I'm going with, with Lee Becton against Florida State in 1993. Hmm. His dead leg juke was unbelievable. He was so slow, but his dead leg juke was a thing of beauty. So I, I, I loved, loved his, cause you're like, how is this guy juking cats from Florida state? You know, I'm going to have to go with that one. That's, that's my pick, Ryan. I think Christopher might've hit it all, at least once that I can remember in my lifetime, you know, it's that Theo Riddick shook USC, man. <laughs> he got yeah. him great at that one. I mean, he really yeah. did. I'm trying to think of one that's even comparable. I feel like CJ Prosize got somebody pretty good one time. If I remember correctly, like I'm trying to remember, who was against? I feel like CJ got somebody pretty dang good one time, but yeah, that theoretic one was nasty, man. He made, and it's not easy to always make USC look uh, kind of slow in, in certain spots, right? He made he made them look unathletic on that on that little juke. So, I'm trying to think of some others. I mean, Reggie Brooks had a couple nice one cuts. Yeah, there, there. Yeah, CJ Prosize had a. I'm trying to remember what game it was. He had a really nice he had, cut. He uh, he had a little bit of that one cut, like making guys yeah. look stupid with the dead leg type of thing. Yeah. Uh, Torian Folson had a couple really nice jukes when he was at Notre Dame. Like he had someone. Yeah. Some, someone said Miles Boykin against uh, LSU. I think Ethan yeah. said it. that was a yeah. slow juke, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really slow. That juke. wasn't as much of a juke as just it was a wet field and the guy just couldn't catch his balance <laughs> as much as anything else. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel, I just, I feel uh, like Kyron might have had one in the open fields, maybe two. I feel like he may have had one, but I, I have to yeah. go back and he probably did. I have to go back yeah. and watch some of those. But his were more like make like he had a that the best run by Notre Dame back. I mean, his run against North Carolina has to be in that conversation. If we're just not That's taking wild, the juke yeah. part out of it, but his run against North Carolina in 2021 was pretty pretty ridiculous I, I, I still love the still the still photo of that one where there's like six guys on him and somehow he yeah. still breaks out it's like yeah. come on man <laughs> right. Right. got a super chat from tyler evans here he's actually I'm, let me ask this yes. one because this is more of an nfl question for you ryan okay uh what do you think of the carolina panthers trading up to the number one pick and who do you think they'll take i hope they take cj stroud and this started a long conversation about uh, about this in the chat what do I think about it? Uh, for Carolina side, I feel like it was a needed position. As long as you, it's a needed move, I should say. As long as there's a guy at the top that you really like, because Carolina, I think, is a roster that has a lot of pluses to it. That offensive line really improved in 2022. The defense, you look at the defense, and you say J.C. Horn, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin. Like there's a lot of talent on that defensive side of the football. I think that Carolina can compete in their division as long as they get competent quarterback play. And what they've done over the last few years is they have keep recycling veteran quarterbacks, man. You go from, you go from, who was it first? It was Teddy Bridgewater. Then it was Sam Darnold. Then it was Baker Mayfield. Like you just keep going veteran over the last few years and it just hasn't worked. So I think Carolina doing something different, right? Different is sometimes needed. And I think taking the chance with there, there's going to be risk obviously involved in mortgaging those picks to get up to number one, but you had to do something different, man. You can't just recycling these bad veteran quarterbacks. You've got to get it right at some point. I think Tyler, for me, everyone thinks it's CJ Stroud. I think it's a CJ Stroud, Bryce young conversation. Who do I th- want them to take? I think both quarterbacks can get the job done with what they need. As far as competency in the position, everybody knows that I'm a little higher on Bryce young than CJ Stroud though. I am. But I don't think C.J. Stroud is the wrong answer because I think they need a guy that can function within the offense at a higher level than what they've had over the last few years. Because I think the infrastructure of the offense has a lot of merit to it. I think that you're going to be able to run the football. They just signed Miles Sanders as a running back who just coming out for 1,200-yard season for the Eagles. You have a strong offensive line, especially as a run-blocking perspective. So I think when you look at it, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. I would probably still go uh, Bryce Young, but I think if it's Bryce Young or C.J. Shroud, I think that it's a passable conversation for me because I think they both do enough in structure to really get that thing moving in the right direction. My my thing on that, number one, is if it's true, the reports are that they don't know who they're taking. If that's true, this is a stupid trade. 
Uh, I mean, like, all that stuff that you can't, you don't let, believe let me, that. Let me, let me finish. Yeah. If it's true and they don't know who they're taking, that's a stupid trade. You don't more, you don't give up what they gave up. They gave up a ton. You don't give that up and you're not convicted yet on who you're going to take. If that's nothing but typical draft noise of, you know, we'll see because maybe you can trick someone into maybe giving you even more than you gave to get there. Right. Like maybe you can sucker the Colts into trading way up and giving up more than you gave up and you get actually more in return and you can still take one of Stroud, Bryce Young, or Anthony Richardson of four. Okay, maybe, but you better have some conviction about who you're taking. And my thing is, is if they have con- conviction in who they're taking, then I I have no problem with it because you can't win in the NFL without a big-time quarterback. You just can't. I mean, and, and I don't mean it doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes. It needs to at least be Matthew Stafford. You know what I mean? And like, who Matt is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? No. Is Matthew Stafford a really good NFL quarterback that finally the won a Super Bowl the first time he played on a really good team where he didn't have to carry the team? Yeah, he did. And so you you better you better feel good about that and you better have conviction. And if you're if you have conviction, then it is what it is. Take the guy and go get him. I don't love it. I think they gave up a ton, but you know, it is what it is. If they have conviction, I think Bryce Young has the most talent of it, uh, you know, talent, mental, physical, and technical talent of any quarterback in this draft class. I think he's the best all-around package in that regard. I think Anthony Richardson has the most God-given ability and the highest ceiling. But to me, the safest pick is C.J. Stroud, in my view, simply because the one big question that I have about Bryce Young is can he hold up over a 17-game season at that size? That's a legitimate question for me. And people say, well, Kyler Murray, didn't Kyler Murray just miss games this year? Like he didn't hold up this year. So now they're yeah. different players, you know? So that's my only concern about Bryce Young. If I knew, if I had confidence that Bryce Young was going to hold up, then I, he's my number one pick. I think CJ Stroud could still end up being the best quarterback in this class. If what we saw against Georgia is who he's going to be. The version of CJ Stroud we saw against Georgia, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in this draft class. The problem we didn't see that enough. We saw him eat up a, a, an unathletic bad Big Ten. That's what we saw. He played two defenses this year that athletically could could play with Ohio State, in my view. Three, in my opinion, sorry, in the regular season. Ohio State, I mean, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. And he didn't necessarily play great in two of those three games. And I I, I don't remember. I don't. He played, he played well against Penn State, I thought. Didn't play very well against Notre Dame. Made some money throws, but over, he didn't have a typical C.J. Stroud game, and he didn't play great against Michigan. That's my concern. Now, he lit the world on fire against Georgia. I mean, he put that team on his back. But I got with Bryce, we saw that all the time. That's my thing, Ryan. We saw stuff like that from Bryce Young all the time. And that's why, you know, I think Bryce is – why I say what I say about Bryce. I just don't know, you know, I just don't know – if he can hold up I'm in a 17 game season plus you got to win three to win a championship that's my big concern on Bryce Young at this point in time I I think his style dictates that conversation for me a little bit right it's like Kyler Murray gets beat up not because he because he's banned the pocket he gets beat up because he runs too much right like that's kind of he doesn't know how to protect himself Bryce Young I think will be able to protect himself he's not a runner he's a pocket passer but you're gonna you're gonna get hit as a quarterback. Sure, you're, you're gonna you're gonna move around. Look what Drew Brees. He's not a runner. He has a shoulder knocked out. Right. I mean, and that that kind of ended his I'm, San Diego career. My my point is, and Drew Brees was thicker than Bryce Young was, especially relative to that age. He's a thick, more thickly built guy. You can't. You can say, well, he's not a runner, but you can't avoid contact in the NFL. You're sure. gonna get knocked around in the NFL, whether you're a pocket passer or a throwing a throwing guy. You can't. You can make the error of focusing too much on a guy's size. I think that's been happening in the NFL for decades. You can also make the error of not putting enough into it and not taking enough thought of, okay, but can he hold up, especially for a guy that's being picked that high? That's my thing. You shouldn't make it an end-all, be-all where I'm just not going to draft it because of size, but I think you can also make a mistake of of just dismissing it and pointing to the a couple anomalies as examples. Why? Because sometimes you could argue the athletic guys can actually take – less big hits because they can make people miss and they don't take as many direct hits like a Russell Wilson, for example. So I just, I just think that you have to be able to look at that and hold up. And especially since he was a starter for two years, Ryan. And in one of those years, he got hurt and missed time and, and 
you know, missed a game, came back, missed a part of a game, then missed another whole game and wasn't quite the same guy for a couple weeks afterwards. So it's not like you can say, well, he held up in the SEC because he didn't. He did get knocked around and get hurt, knocked out of a game. I mean, you can make that face, but he missed a game. Uh, I mean, but it was nothing serious, though. It's just nagging injuries. But it's not like he's he tearing ACLs. He's game. tearing up his That's shoulder. That's the whole point. He missed a game, and he played five fewer games this year than he would in the NFL. So he did miss time. He did get tackled and landed on his shoulder, and it popped out. That's the whole point, right? You can't just ignore that. You can't just say, well, hey, I'm ignoring it. This is the, you, you've got to be able to look at that. If you are confident as a coach that he can hold up, then he's the best quarterback in this draft class. Sure. And that's the decision that I think these teams have to make. And I honestly, I'd say, Ryan, I don't know if it's that close if, if your company can hold up, right? I, I don't. I think he's, to me, the clear guy if he can be that. But that's a big if for me. When you're investing, you know, the money you're going to invest in the number one pick, it's a big if. Sure. But then do you say, do you, do you trade all that up, Ryan, to take the safe pick? That's the other, that's the flip side of this coin, right? I, I think, I think there's two really good options at the top potentially though, which is why I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if Carolina doesn't know with what they want right. to do. They mm-hmm. put themselves in a position that whoever they ultimately do think is the better player, they're going to be able to take them. So if there's two really good, I mean, there's, I mean, we've seen classes where there's two really good quarterbacks at the top. Like, it's, it's not just like usually one and then one guy sucks all the time. Like, there might Although be. It kind a, of sometimes too. turns out that way. What's that? You know, like, it, it sometimes, a lot of times turns out that way, though. You know, it can. It can. You, you see it. I mean, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, there's this debate who's better, and everybody looks back and says, oh, but at the time, it was a legitimate debate that people were having. You sure. know, you look at the, um, the, was it 98? Was it 98? No, it was, uh, it was 99, 2000. Whatever the year, it was uh, Tim Couch and Akili Smith and Donovan McNabb. And like three of those guys, two of those three guys turned out to be huge busts. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you, you know, what are you you're already looking now like the Trevor Lawrence class? The number two picks already kind of, you know. <laughs> well, I could I could have told I could have told you that was going to happen. <laughs> but see, that's that's the thing, though. I mean. You and I thought that we were in agreement on that, but clearly a lot yeah. of NFL teams and NFL scouts didn't feel that way, which is why I will contend the NFL still, by and large, sucks at evaluating quarterbacks. I mean, there's the an part. NFL team that thought Mitch Trubisky was a better quarterback than Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there was probably a couple NFL teams that thought that. It probably wasn't just one. So there was there was at least one NFL team that thought Christian Ponder yeah. was a first round NFL draft pick. So. You know, it's just going to be, it's going to be part of it, man. It makes it very interesting. All right, let's get down to some more, Ryan. Here's another draft question that a lot of people have had. Uh, and I, so I'll ask this one from Archer452. Detroit Hunter also asked this yesterday. Yep. It says, with Jalen Carter, that's the D tag from Georgia, for those who may not know, with Jalen Carter's mm-hmm. less than impressive pro day this week, how far mm-hmm. does he realistically drop in the draft? So you can answer that question directly, Ryan. And then I want to hear your overall thoughts on, you know, how a pro day performance like that should impact a prospect or not. I mean, that's, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. So, I I mean, I think for me, the pro day is something that can be overemphasized at times and not talked about enough at others. Like there's, there's, it's a weird kind of scenario there. When I saw what happens yesterday, nine pounds heavier was cramping up during drills, not able to finish some stuff. I, I honestly didn't overreact. Like I think some people did because I mean, Again, it, this is his fault that he's dealing with all this stuff off the field right now. So I'm not excusing it, but that's a lot to deal with as a 21 year old man. So like mentally, maybe he just isn't in it right now as far as still trying to figure out the off the field yeah. stuff, right? Ultimately, I think that he's not going to fall as much as some people think. I've seen middle of the first round, end of the first round. I've seen some people mocking him outside of the first round now. I still don't think he gets out of the top 10. I don't. And that is very, but I will say this that is very dependent on the other part of this process. Cause it's not just the pro day. It's not just the combine, all those types of things. Teams now are going to be doing even more deep diving into Jalen Carter's backgrounds to understand if these red flags have something to merit to them, or if it was just one very bad decision that yeah. this young man made, that's going to be the biggest thing. Cause people don't know this, but like NFL teams hire private investigators yeah. for this type of stuff. They will go deep into the backgrounds. We'll talk about the legality stuff. They'll talk about family history, social media, all that stuff. The the NFL teams will have as much data points on him 
as they ever will. And honestly, before this, if this stuff never happens, I guarantee it would have been a very brief background check. Like, okay, cool, check. He's a great player on the field. We're taking him, right? Now what Jalen Carter's done to him with these bad performances is that more and more people are going to start looking at him further, right? He's got more of a target on his back. It is going to be a very intensive background check on Jalen Carter. And I think that the team opportunities from the uh, from the top 30 visits is going to be a big opportunity because at the end of it, I think NFL teams are going to look past it if they're comfortable with him as a person and he's able to fully you know, make make sense of the mistake that he made. I do think that he can have this opportunity to do that. But there's another side that maybe this is a character flaw that he has. Maybe this is something a little deeper than just one really bad decision. I don't know the answer to that, but ultimately I don't think it affects him as much as people think because I I have never heard before this, outside of the Todd McShay thing, from people in the know that had serious concerns about his character. Maybe I'm not informed sure. enough on the decision or the opinion to have, but I don't think that he falls as much as people think. So I still think number 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles is probably the floor for him as it stands. I personally, and you may disagree with this, Ryan, I personally do not care about a pro day performance for 320 pound defensive lineman. Do not care. You know who else had a really bad combine and pro day performance? Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. And he's been pretty flipping good. I just don't care. Now, do I like a good performance? Yes. Does a bad performance for a guy who's as dominant as this kid is on film the last two years bother me? It doesn't. If he checks all the boxes for me, and you talked about digging it, he made a horrible mistake. Yes. And I think Jason Smith said it. Was it a bad decision or a pattern? Exactly. That's what you, and I think Jason nailed that in the chat. That's what you find out. If it was a, you made a stupid decision and a very immature decision, and it had costly, costly implications. That's something that, that, that he'll have to live with. Jalen Carl have to live with the rest of his life, but it shouldn't define him. If it was an isolated lack of maturity. That's my whole point, Ryan. If he gets past this, and hey, look, he, overall, he's a good kid. He went to class. He did what he needed to do. He's a good teammate. He didn't get in trouble right. beyond like normal dumb things. I got to, you know, like, because like the speeding thing is, it's, it is a pattern. The speeding thing is something he's been in trouble for before. That's different than a kid. Like, that's bad and yeah. it's tragic and it costs someone, but that's not like he, he's not Lawrence Phillips, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. my point. And, and and should be treated like normal, like Lawrence Phillips. You also want to know that this is a kid that's going to be smart enough to, to learn from that. And I got to feel like if his only issue is he's immature and speeds and he's an, which is idiotic. Yeah. You got to feel like this kid just lost a friend because of it. I got to feel like this is going to be a life changing thing for him. So it, that's why, that's why I don't put too much weight into the pro day in general, Brian, because like, yeah. look, man. He's dealing with a lot of stuff right now, man. Like, because honestly, this could be this. It could be quite this, right? Is that Jalen Carter is a really good young man who made a terrible decision. And like you just said, he just lost a friend. Right. Right. Some guys mentioned there's no punishment that you can give him worse than that. That's the the reality of it, right? And that's me cutting him a little bit of slack. I don't know him personally. So for the pro day, it's me cutting him slack for the pro day. I, I don't, I'm not willing to judge who he is off the field because I don't know enough. Yeah, the NFL will figure that out, exactly. right? So the two speeding instances are huge red flags for me. If those are the yeah. only red flags, then me and him are going to have some heart to heart conversations as an NFL franchise. But I'm not going to drop him out of the first round, right? Unless he's just like, I don't care, I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, okay, well, sure, you're going to do that, <laughs> but we're not, you know, you know, that would be the only thing. So yeah, the character stuff is going to matter more to me if I was an NFL team than the pro day. I just don't care about his pro day because you know what I have? I have a whole lot of film. <laughs> from his last two seasons that tells me this guy is a Quinn and Williams, uh, Deron Payne type of elite impact player at the next level. And I'm not letting that go because of this. If this is an isolated thing that he's learned from and moved on from, if there's a pattern yeah. of, of bad decisions, then I'm not investing that kind of money because then yeah. he could end up being, we could name other guys that had elite talent that ended up not panning out because they made bad decisions in life. Sure. Right. And so those are those are the things you have to look at. So a uh, really good one. Here's another one from Archer 452, Ryan. He goes, uh, Fox is what's that? 
I was, I was going to read it. You read the. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you because I know you have to leave here soon, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I wanted to give you a chance to answer this one first. Sure. Uh, Fox's RJ Young listed the top five quarterbacks rooms as one USC, two Ohio State, three Notre Dame, four Texas, five Tennessee. What okay. would your top five rooms be? I actually don't hate that top four. I mean, maybe I would mix, mix up the order a little bit, but like, I don't hate it. What? I'm trying to think because Tennessee is not one that I would have in there. I wouldn't have Tennessee yeah. in there. No Ryan, way. I cannot have uh, Ohio State number two right now. Now, they have a talented room, but it's an incredibly unproven room. Well, is But how, how are they ranking this, though? Are they saying by, like, is it just a projection thing? I, I don't know. Like, talent, what, I don't you know, know what the rank. I don't, I can't, there's no, there's even talent wise, it's not number two to me. I like, and you know me, I'm a big Kyle McCord guy, yeah. but even that regard, okay, if you're going to go there, then there's a lot of other teams that you should rank higher based on just talent. You know what I mean? So um, if you're going to go just pure talent projection, Clemson is ahead of Ohio state for me because Devin Smith, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord is not as good to me as Cade Klubnik and Chris Vizina, for example, if we're just talking pure talent, right? Yeah. So I have a hard time putting Ohio State number two. Now, I also am not one of those people that overreacts to where Ohio State is at quarterback. I think Ohio State is still going to be pretty darn good at quarterback, in my opinion, Sure, moving forward. But I just I can't have Ohio State two right now. That's a big leap for me when you look at teams that have more proven players. So I'd have Texas ahead of them right now. You say, well, Quinn Ewers wasn't that good. He's still better than anyone Ohio State has had so far. And he could, you know what I mean, like so far. Uh, now that may change this year. Quinn, I would not be shocked if Kyle McCord ends up being better than Quinn Ewers, but I think Arch Manning is better than Devin Brown. So uh, I just I couldn't have Ohio State there. You know, part of me wants to put Notre Dame number two, but when you're dealing with a newcomer, you never quite know how a guy is going to be at, at you know at that at that job. So I mean. They're, they're, there, there's a lot of de- man. There's a lot of conversation that I would want to have. I have a hard time with Tennessee at number five, but then the question is, is who who would you? I so, look. So LSU's got to be in there first of all. LSU has to be a top five quarterback room in my opinion. When you talk about you've got Jalen Daniels coming back, you got Nussmeyer, who's your number two, who could start for a lot of teams in my opinion, and you signed Ricky Collins this year. Like to me, that's a top five quarterback room right now, in my opinion. Um, some people like right now, Jay Daniels is a better quarterback right now than anybody Texas has. Yeah. In my view, right. Sure. Anyone that Ohio yeah. state has right now in my view. So I think you got to put LSU in that conversation as well. I, I'm, I, I'm curious because you got to, your I face saw, on so, that was interesting. I'm curious what you think about the LSU one. Oh no, no. LSU makes a lot of sense. I, 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 my face went like that mostly because I saw someone say Oregon in the chat. And I think that one makes a lot of sense too, because I mean, look, as as much as pushback as I have against Bo Nix, he's incredibly talented. There's no right. doubt about that. And, there's and he never played well talented. this year. I mean, he, he did. did. He, he played a good well season. this year. He had a very good season. Yep. So you have him. The Ty Thompson kid hasn't played, but, like, that kid's talented. He's talented, man. He's yeah. a big, talented yeah. kid. And then they have uh, – what's his name? The kid they signed, Austin Springs. Uh, Novosad. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. a good room. That's a good room. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd look at them. I'd look at yeah. them. I think Ole Miss has a really good room right now. I mean, oh, it's, it's, very it's a lot of untapped potential, right? I mean, you talk about Spencer Sanders as a proven player. Jackson Dart's a talented player. They they got an who was the other grad transfer they got? They got Spencer another Sanders, grad transfer. Right? They had a I got a pretty decent freshman coming in. No, they I thought they got two grad transfers. The LSU kid, two the LSU kid, the LSU kid. Did Walker Howard? Walker That's Howard. Right. Yeah, Walker yeah, Howard. So yeah. Ole Miss has a pretty good quarterback room. And that opinion. might that might be one of the highest as far as just raw tools. Like that's a yeah. toolsy room, man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a team, Ryan, that for me has as an interesting one that maybe not a lot of people are going to talk about right now. Yeah. Uh, but a team that I think could end up having pretty good quarterback play uh, in the next couple of years if they can if they can kind of get it going. I think Texas A and M has a shot to have a pretty good quarterback room if if uh, uh, if. Uh, Connor Wegman's as good as I think he can be. Yeah. I, I really like Connor Wegman as a quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, you know, they've they've got some other guys on the roster that some they've had a lot mm-hmm. of guys transfer out, but they 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 could have a shot moving forward to kind of have that. I think Alabama's quarterback room is very overrated, in my opinion. So there there's oh. some rooms in there. I think the, the from that list, Ryan, I'm definitely gonna have USC in the list. I'm definitely gonna have Notre Dame in the list. I'm definitely gonna have LSU in the list. Uh, after that, Ohio State, 
is questionable top five right now. Yeah. Uh, because number one, they don't have anybody past the first two. That's right. the other problem, right? The kid from Washington for me, uh, he's good, but I, he doesn't do it for me. I just, I'm sorry. He, the, not the kid from Washington that he's from like Utah or Idaho. The kid that was committed to Washington that they flipped. Oh, South Dakota. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. South Dakota. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, Tennessee definitely doesn't do it for me because I don't think a whole lot of Joe Milton. Yeah. And Nico's ra- very talented, but raw. I can't put them in the top five just yet. Uh, same reason I don't put A&M in there. I'm just talking about teams down the road. So Sleeper they, team. Sleeper team. Wisconsin got the grad transfer from SMU, and they got Nick yep. Evers in the portal this year, too. Yep. So, that's so that Mordecai, down. Nick Evers. Yeah. and I'm just, I don't know who else is on that roster. Yeah, but. I'm curious who they signed. Did they sign a quarterback in high school this year? I really like, like Nick Evers, Ryan. You and I have talked about that one before, the Texas kid. I, I think he's a good football player. I, I thought it was a good pickup for Florida when they got him. Yeah, He was a great Dan Mullen quarterback. He would have done very well if Dan Mullen was still in Florida. Yeah. Uh, very well. So I'm curious, who did who did Wisconsin get in the 23 recruiting class? I don't even uh, remember a name. Yeah, I don't know who that kid is. Some some kid from uh, Colorado that I never saw. So there's some there's some good quarterback. North Carolina needs to be in there. I, I don't know if you've ever seen him. They got a, a redshirt. He'll be a redshirt freshman next year that I love. Kid from Alabama named Connor Harrell. Okay. I like that kid a lot. And, of course, they have Drake May as a starter. So I like Connor Harrell a lot. I think the Criswell kid transferred out. Yeah. And then they got a freshman who's uh, – he's got a big arm. He's kind of raw. Tad Hudson's a raw kid, but he's got a big arm you know, kid from Carolina. So I like Carolina's quarterback room as well. I do. I think they have a good quarterback room also. So there's some, there's some good quarterback room um, there, Ryan. Didn't Tim, did Brock Len end up at Florida state? Was that where he ultimately signed with Jordan Travis? Brock Len, the Tennessee kid. That's a good question. Uh, I think he did. I think that's where he ended up. Yeah. But who's the backup? Right now to, to Jordan Travis, that, the that, other quarterback that, from that Tate, Tate Rodemaker or whatever his name was. Okay. He actually played he's pretty well right. in relief, I yeah, thought. He's all right. Yeah. I wasn't a huge Brock Glenn fan. He's got talent, but he's, yeah. uh, you know, kind of he's, a – He's got a hose, though, man. He's got he does, but he's just not a natural – I mean, he's a barely 50% thrower. I yeah. mean, he's that guy that just looks great at a – he's a lot like Brendan Clark. Looks great at a camp, but just not a great feel for being a quarterback. So, meaning super high ceiling, super low floor is really yeah. what he is. So that's not the that's not the five I would go with. I don't know exactly Joe, what my five Joe, would be, Ryan, but Joe Medina said we're sleeping on UCLA. I mean, I love Dante, but I'm not big on the Schlee kid yeah. from Kent State. No, so, you got, yeah. to to have a great in this this would be my one sort of um since I'm not big on Malachi Nelson, USC's a little but you know, between Miller Moss and Malachi with Caleb, you got to have more than one quarterback for it to be a great quarterback room. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Sam Hartman isn't the reason that Notre Dame has a has is in the top three in quarterback rooms, in my opinion. I truly believe that it's it's him plus Tyler Buckner plus Kenny Minchie plus Steve Angeli. Yeah, you know that's what makes a good quarterback room. You got to go at least two deep, in my opinion, and that's what I like about LSU. They're not in the top. I don't think Jaden Daniels is a top five college quarterback. I do not think that at all. No. But him and Nussmeyer and Ricky Collins makes that's a to me a really good room. Right, that's where I'm at. And you know who has a very underrated quarterback room? Ryan is NC State for that league because you, you got yeah. you got the freshman Armstrong. that played last year, the kid from Atlanta, yeah, oh, uh, Morris, Morris, and then you have the Finley kid. I think they're all still there, correct? Yes. Please so sir. that's a for for now again. Is it top five national? No, I'm not saying that. But in the ACC, that's a pretty good quarterback room. I, I thought MJ Morris looked really good in the opportunities yeah. he got last year before he yeah. got banged up. So I yeah. like him, man. And Ben yep. Finley actually did a good job too, coming off the bench. He did. Right. I mean, if that's yeah. your number three quarterback, Ryan, you're you're pretty yeah. good. You're in pretty good shape. That's my yep. point, right? Washington doesn't have the depth behind Penix to be in that conversation for me. Uh, I don't think they have the depth. Behind I don't even it. know who's behind. Wait, who do they have? Yeah. Dylan Morris still. They've still yeah. Dylan Morris. He transferred. Did he? He transfer? went to like Cal Poly or something like that. Oh no, that that's yeah. um Sam Heward. I was talking about. Oh the Sam Morris Heward did. Kid. Okay, yeah. I don't know if Dylan Morris is still there or not. I'd have to go look. Yeah. I have to go look. But yeah, there's there's some good quarterback rooms out there. There are. Yeah. So I I can't put Tennessee in there. I don't even love Texas being in there. To be completely honest with you, Ryan, it, it, based on some of the other rooms we talked about, like I just yeah, a lot of unproven, a yeah. lot of unproven, a lot of unproven. Yeah. We're we're basically going off recruiting rankings with Texas at that point. Yeah. In time. Same with Ohio State. We're going off of recruiting rankings and sort of the trend of Ohio State's just kind of keeps pumping out good quarterbacks. I mean, I sure. I think that would be your ability to 
to put Ohio State in there and say, look, man, they got a track record. And that's a legit argument. They have a track record of whoever starts puts up big numbers. And that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But I still got to see it to a degree. Where USC, Notre Dame, LSU, Oregon, Ole Miss, those are rooms yeah. where North Carolina, we've seen those room. we've seen kids from that room play and be successful, at least in one spot. And that's where I would I, be. I'm very there. curious to see what Spencer Sanders looks like with Lane Kiffin, man. I feel like he's going to put up some stupid yeah. numbers, but we'll yeah. see. I mean, if Matt Corral can put up numbers in that offense, then yeah. I think Spencer Sanders can put up numbers out on that offense. For real, though. I don't know if Jackson Dart will still be a part of that room moving forward, but even him uh, and Walker Howard's a pretty good room. And I, yeah. I don't love Walker Howard as much as others, but I think Walker Howard will be a lot better at Ole Miss than he would have been at LSU, in my opinion, because of who's coaching him, yes. in my view. And I, I think Clemson's got an underrated room now that Cade Klubnik is there and you're bringing Chris Vizina. You know, the depth behind that's not great, but yeah. that's not a bad room right there. Not top yeah. five, but it's definitely in, the, in that conversation. But Vizina has a rocket for an arm too, man. Yeah, he, can throw the he does. He does. He didn't make the jump as a senior I'd hoped that he would make, but the, yeah. the tools are – and he's a good athlete for that size. He can move, yeah. He can move. Yeah, he's yep. a good athlete for that size, so – I'll tell you one team that's not in my conversation, Oklahoma. That's for darn sure. They're yeah. not in my conversation. Yeah. So, all right. So, you got some more, Ryan. Do you got a run or do you got time for a couple more here? I can do another I can do another one. Here's an interesting one, Ryan. We'll bring this one up from Crystal Rose. Crystal has okay. one here. So, I'll read it. You can answer it. And then when I start to answer, you can take off. Okay. And he said, uh, what player on the 23 team has the best Notre Dame career? And then what player on the 23 team will have the best NFL career when it's all said and done? I feel like the latter one is easier for me to answer than the first one. I, I think the answer is the same for both of them. For me. Both. <laughs> I think it's I mean, Joe Walt. I think it's Joe Walt. I mean, I mean, Chris, well, honestly, if he leaves after his junior year, he's a chance to be a two-time All-American, right? Like a two-time All-American. Yeah. Th- technically three-year starter. I mean, I'm going to give it to him because, you know, sure. he took over a few games win, right? Well, and they sucked when he wasn't starting and became better when he did start. So, yeah. yeah. And it'd be so good in that three years that he potentially be a top 10 draft pick, maybe higher, right? And then, I mean, you look at what uh, the left tackle position, how valuable that is in the NFL, right? Like, if he's a blindside protector for a decade, like I wish he, like I think he could be, then I could argue that it's the same for both answers. Like, Joe Walt is... That guy right now, man, and he has the potential at six foot seven plus three hundred seventeen pounds to be a blindside protector and maybe a pro bowler at the next level. So I think Joe yeah. Walt's the guy for me. Who would it be for Notre? I'm with you on the NFL one. That's an easiest yeah. one for me. Who who would be a couple other guys that you might look at and say maybe this guy for the Notre Dame career could be there as well? Benjamin Morrison is one that's, mm-hmm. you know, like he would be up. I mean, he's a freshman All-American. He had six interceptions. Like, there, I mean, if people keep throwing at him, man, he might be in the uh, conversation for most interceptions in his Notre Dame <laughs> career when it's all said and done, right? Like, it also wouldn't shock me if he only ends his career with like eight interceptions, you know? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, they stop. They're like, nope, we're good now. That. Seriously. That. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he, he would be the clear second, in my opinion, after Joe Wallet. I would look at him and be like, yeah, that's, Probably a guy, I mean, maybe a sleeper's like Billy Shrouth if he's a three-year starter at guard and he's like an All-American level. Like, There's I, I don't a guy know. we talked about earlier that I would put in that conversation. I could see being in it because he's a very low-floor, high-ceiling guy. It would not yeah. shock me if Josh Burnham ends up becoming a star. Yeah, sure. Again, long way to go, but you just can't teach those athletic tools, man. You just can't. Yep. Agreed. You know, some of the linebackers, Sneed, Osbury, Drake Bowen, you know, Ziegler. I could see one of those guys being like the next Buckus Award winner. I mean, we've seen it. Benjamin Morrison's in there. I think the receivers we talked about, like Tobias, Dion would be tough for me to say that just because I don't think he's that kind of elite guy. Tobias maybe could. Yeah. Um, you know, so, someone said Charles Jagasoff. There's somebody in the yeah. 2023 class, the yeah. recruiting class. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. Jeremiah Love could end yeah. up being a just a star. I mean, Jagasaw, I mean, there's a lot of potential guys that could be great. And that's what the excitement is about this team, Ryan. I mean, yeah. here's a guy we haven't talked about, Kenny Minchie. Sure. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, who, who, who knows? I mean, if Tyler Buckner becomes a two-year starter and lights the world on fire and wins a Heisman, <laughs> there's a lot. The point is, Ryan, Joe Alt's the easy one. And it yeah. makes like he's already been an All-American. Benjamin sure. Morrison's the second easiest one. 
But I think the exciting thing for me, and 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 I and and I'm curious on your thoughts on this before you leave, is it's the fact that I I listed a bunch of names and your reaction to every single one was like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. That's what excites me about this. There was not one where you're like, you know, because you're like me, Ryan. I know exactly what you're thinking by your facial expression, right? And and we're similar that way. There yeah. wasn't one where you were like, you know, like really, like that guy. That's what that's what excites me about this team is I don't know if all these guys are going to reach their potential. But if a bunch yeah. of them do, this team is a lot more athletic, especially in the younger classes, than I think a lot of Notre Dame fans recognize because the recruiting rankings didn't reflect, in my opinion, how good these last two classes were. Sure. And that's where I start to get excited about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're not just recruiting good football players either, right, Brian? I mean, if we're talking about elevating, excuse me, to the NFL level eventually, there's a lot of traits on this team too, yes. man. Like there's some guys with length, athleticism. Like I could see a lot of those guys being NFL players if they're developed properly. Like right. that's kind of the end of I, I had you write an article recently about next year's combine. Yeah. What would have been a fun article is who are the guys on the current roster that you think could blow up the combine? And yeah. you know what? That's not a short article, Ryan. No, it's not. That's not a short article. No. And that's what's exciting about it. I mean, I, I just can't wait to see if Josh Burnham stays healthy and develops <laughs> The way we think he can, I can't wait to see that dude at the combine. I can't wait. Dude, to see he's going to have like Ziegler a. And he's going to have a Sneed. He's going to have a forty-inch vert at like two hundred fifty-five, yeah. two hundred sixty pounds. <laughs> like, like what, dude? Five, five. Yes, I can't wait to see those guys. And there's a lot of guys like that, Ryan, that I think could yeah. end up being really good, really good combine guys. And Notre Dame hasn't had a. They've had a lot of the grinders. Yeah, you know. The, and, and good at like Drew Trank was a good athlete. Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Steed could be our elite athletes. Yep. And that's the difference. And that's what gets you excited, right? Julian Love was a good athlete. It was really smart. Yes. Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, they have chances to be elite at Cam Hart is gonna if he's healthy, I can't wait till we see what Cam Hart does at next year's combine. Yeah. Like if tell me if I'm wrong, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Six two plus. 205 pounds, he'll yeah. be a low 4'4", four four, jump well over 35 inches, probably 37, 38 inches, have a borderline 11-foot broad jump, and have really, really good agility numbers. He's yeah. going to be one of the best corners at the combine next year from a testing standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Am, am I wrong? No, no. I mean, if he hits all those numbers, especially, yeah. and I mean, there's no reason he can't hit those numbers. This is the crazy part. And well, because I told you this, I was talking to somebody recently and I was like, you know, I was asking about Cam Hart and I shared this with you, Ryan was, yeah. and I was like, he's a, he's a, like a four, four guy. Right. And the, and the, the guy that looks at me kind of smiles like, dude, he's a freak. Like <laughs> you're underselling it, you know, because we've heard for two years when everybody talks about fastest guys, everyone's always like, oh, don't forget Cam Hart. Don't forget Cam Hart. Don't forget Cam Hart. He's one of the fast guys on the team. And the one I'll always remember is that play of him and Kyle Hamilton running down the field after a Florida State kid. And like yep. Kyle's here, and all of a sudden you see Cam like, I just, just <laughs> blow past Kyle Hamilton. And you're like, maybe Kyle's not as fast as we thought. And you're like, yeah, maybe not. But that Cam Hart dude yeah. can freaking run. Right. <laughs> that that's that's like yeah, that's like that's like a, you're in a car on a highway and someone flies past you. It's like, oh, maybe I wasn't going as fast as I thought. But it's like, nope. But that's all guys just accelerating yeah. yep. no, crazy I'm going amount. 75. That guy just like, like Kyle me. Hamilton running high four five. That guy's still running fast. And so like that's a four four. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yes. there's a difference yes. there. Yes. You can have potential. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that later. But yeah, there's some guys that could be putting up some really ridiculous combine numbers. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I right, know. I know you got to run, Ryan. I appreciate you staying on a little bit long. We'll finish up with these rest of these questions here moving forward. We got a question from Nathan Milton. Thank you, Nathan. What team do you want Notre Dame to punish regular season or playoff out of spite? Mine is Bama because they're so darn good every single year. Mine's Michigan. I just dislike Michigan, and 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 all all love to you, Antoine. I know our Michigan guys in here, but all love. I just I just dislike Michigan with a burning burning passion. I'm just gonna be honest with you on that. So that that is the one for me. That's an easy one for me. Archer four five two says, "How much money does Notre Dame pay their assistant coaches? That is a huge investment to support the head coach. OSU just announced raises, and now five of their ten assistants make seven figures, nine point three million total. Notre Dame's not close to that. Notre Dame still does a very. Uh, they've gotten better, but it's just they're not horrible anymore. They are not doing a nearly good enough job in taking care of their assistants. And I'm going to have something on that soon. 
but they're not even close. They they, they see, but this is the point. Ohio State's being proactive in giving raises to their assistant coaches, which is why it's hard to get a guy away from Ohio State. Whereas Notre Dame waits until someone comes after a guy before they go at him. So Notre Dame's got to get a lot better there. And they're just, you know, I've defended the administration for a while because there were things happening with the football staff that weren't good enough. But now you're seeing some of those things being done with the football staff and the administration's not stepping up and doing their end. And I think that's a problem. That's that's definitely a, a problem for me that, that has to get addressed and get fixed like now, in my opinion. So that's a that's a good question. Uh, Archer four five two says, "What are your expected starting five on the O line? You've got Alton Fisher at tackle, Zeke Carell at center. I think you'll have uh, you have uh, Billy Shrout at left guard, and then I think there's a battle at right guard. I think you can see Andrew Kristoffic there, Michael Carmody, Ty Chan, Billy uh, Rocco Spindler. I think are all guys that could be in that battle uh, for the spring. I think at least four of them we feel good about knowing right now. I would say if I had to bet right now, I'd have Andrew Kostovic as one of them, but he's going to him, him and Shroud will both be in a battle for those jobs. But that's where I'm at. Uh, that's where I'm at right now with that group. Um, see here, we got one from Bailey Brad. This is a good, this is a good one. So I wanted to get this one. Do you start to get worried if Wagner's body doesn't show signs of improvement this spring summer? It, it would depend Bailey on what would, what would you? What do you mean by signs of improvement? Is there a? Is he the same weight? Looks the same exact like he did last? You know, in the fall that concerned me a little bit. If there's like a you know, five to ten pound increase and he still fills out a little bit, that, then I'm fine with that. I don't really expect the meal to start showing that kind of size really until next spring. If we're going into next spring and he's still two seventy, that's a problem. And you know. And that's the only thing that could, to me, could really hold him back other than normal things, you know, like injury and things like that. He's long, he's athletic, he's strong. I've heard he's a really smart kid. It's just the size. I mean, that's that's really the thing because I, I don't care how strong you are. You just can't play at 270, in my opinion, the offensive line uh, in today's in today's era. I just I just don't I just don't think you can do it. I really don't think you can do it. Fighting Irish fan 91 asks any word on the Fort Wayne, my Fort Wayne guy, uh, Tay Johnson. Uh, look, Notre Dame likes Bronte a lot. It's just, you're going to have the same problem with him that you had with Brandon Hillman. It's just, can you, can you get him through the admissions process? That's that's the problem. If you can, I think he ends up at Notre Dame. If you can't, then he won't. But right now it's a work in progress. That's where he's at. And it's always been that way. We've said that for a long time. Notre Dame loves Bronte Johnson. Can you get Bronte Johnson in school? That's a different question. I, I've been told he's putting in the work. He's trying. But we'll see if it if it pans out or not. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, says, who would you rather have on this year's defense, Kyle Hamilton or Lewis Nix and why? That's an easy one for me, and that's Lewis Nix. And that is no knock on Kyle Hamilton at all, who's a, a really good player at Notre Dame. But I feel again, I, I like Notre Dame safety group. Is anybody as good as Kyle Hamilton? No, but I just I, I, I've said it. I've been consistent with it. If you give me a chance to have an elite D line or an elite secondary, give me the elite D line and a good secondary as opposed to an elite secondary with just a good D line. But an elite D line with a good secondary can be really good. Notre Dame is loaded at corner. They're good at safety. Their safeties were good last year. If you could give me a Lewis Nix at nose guard with Riley Mills at three technique and Howard cross playing both positions, Gabriel giving me some minutes. Cause you know, Lewis can't play the whole game. Um, you know, that would be, that would be a really, really good defensive line in my opinion. So uh, I just, I feel like that's the thing that's missing in Notre Dame right now is the, is the big athletic disruptive force at nose tackle. And that's what Lewis was. And if you could have a kid like that, then yeah, then I, I think this defensive line would be, Really, really good. Got a question here from Wade Garrett. Wade asks, what position do you feel has to shine the most in order for us to take the biggest leap this year from a win-loss standpoint? So you're talking about leap, right? So, yes, the offensive line has to play great. But I think the offensive line was pretty good last year. Uh, you know, Defensive line has to get better. Receivers have to get better. Running backs continue. Everybody's got to get better. The group that has to take the biggest leap for me, this is an easy answer, Wade. It's quarterback. Now, what I'm referring to here, the caveat is 
I don't need Sam Hartman to play better than he did at Wake Forest. I need him to, to clean up some of the turnovers because sometimes he would force – like sometimes it's like, you know, got to make this – try to make this throw, tip ball, whatever. But sometimes he would make bad decisions. He needs to clean up some of that stuff and just be who he was last year. Notre Dame's going to be really good. So it's not a leap for him personally, but it's a leap from the level of play that Notre Dame had last year. has to be a lot better. If Sam Hartman just repeats what he's been the last two years with just – Cleaning up the turnovers just a little bit. I'm okay with turnovers. If 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 I can see the benefit on a 20 other plays from your aggressiveness, I'll take one interception for those 20 big plays, 15 big plays. So as long as it's that, I can live with that to a degree. Like I could live with two of Tyler Buckner's turnovers against South Carolina. I don't like that they were pick sixes, but I can't live with three of them. You know what I mean? And or I can live with one of them. You know, I just I can live with that if you're a game if you're a game wrecker in other areas. You, you can't live with that if the guys just game managers can't turn the ball over. Playmakers, I can live with it a little bit more as long as it's coming within. Like, hey, I get why he made that turnover. You can't do have dumb turnovers. He doesn't need to play better, but he'll be so much better than what they had. So, if you're talking about the leap from what they were, what they had last year, it's it's quarterback. It's easy. What would be number two and three? That's the bigger question for me. Number two for me is defensive line. Defensive line has to be better than it was last year. I don't think receiver was as bad as it, as people think it was because they were getting open late in the year. They just weren't getting the ball. I, they got to get better, no doubt. But it's not this giant leap that people think that it is. It's just a quarterback that can get them the football is really the big thing in an offense that that, that plays your best players. I I, I think D line's got to get a lot better. Number three for me is is linebacker. Those are my top three have to get better. Receiver would probably come in next if we're going to talk production and consistency and depth would probably come in next for me. Last couple here. Nathan Milton says, who's the most physically gifted player on the roster? That is a great question. And I will say this. I will say pound for pound, I still believe that it's Josh Burnham. I do. I think Josh Burnham is incredibly talented. He's just raw and learning a new position. But as far as just God-given ability, man, I he has got special, special talent. Some other guys in the conversation for me, you know, I I I think Tobias is incredibly talented. The two young tackles, Joe Walton, Blake Fisher, incredibly talented, just gifted players. Billy Shrouth's a pretty gifted player. Uh, he's not here yet, but Jeremiah Love is a guy that I that I throw into that conversation. Benjamin Morrison is obviously in that conversation. I think those are the guys to me that that I mean, Bubakar Traore is incredibly gifted. I just don't know, you know, he's not a great football player yet, but he's very gifted. There's no doubt about that. Charles Jagasaw is going to be in that con. Eli Raritan, if he, if he, if Eli can get back to being full strength and from the two ACLs, he would be in that conversation for me. Those are some of the guys that I would look at uh, as just just wow, just really freaky talent. Those are the guys that kind of pop pop in my head. Uh, Bray, Jaylen, somebody said Braylon uh, James. He's one. Jalen Sneed is is very athletic. The only concern I have about Jalen is just his size. I would actually probably go with Nolan Ziegler slightly ahead of him because Nolan is so much bigger than Jalen. But yeah, if you want to go with Jalen Sneed, I'm I'm with you on that one too. There's there's no doubt. I'm with you on Chris. I'm on, I'm on I'm on Jalen Sneed as well. Jaden Osbury is another one that would be in that. I mean, there's some really talented players. There's some really talented players in Notre Dame. And then uh, let's see this last one here from Gideon Rosa says, you have to start a freshman. What QB and wide receiver from the 21 to 23 classes would you pick to start on your squad? As a freshman from 2021 to 2023, which freshman at quarterback or receiver would I pick? I would have, I would have probably, I'd probably go with uh, see Tobias Merriweather would probably who I'd go with. I, I think a guy like him, you should have got on the field last year. And if you'd have, I have to start one, I have to start one. It's him. It, it, it's, he'd be my pick. You could, Lorenzo styles, you know, maybe be in that conversation. Cause he was pretty good as a freshman. Now obviously Tyler Buckner, I think could have done some things as a freshman. You'd have had to tailor your offense a little bit to fit him in certain ways. Uh, Kenny Minchie, if you had to, would would be up there. I'd actually probably say I would. I'd be willing to bet that Kenny's probably a little bit ahead of Tyler was 
as a true freshman from a being able to run the offense standpoint, Tyler's more physically gifted. So uh, those are options. But 22 class, the only guy that I would say definitely would be a uh, quarterback and receiver would be Tobias. 21, I'd mention those guys. It'd be Tobias. It'd be Tobias. And, and then this incoming freshman class, a quarterback and receiver. I mean, Great House, Flores, James, all those guys would be fine picks. There's a lot of picks that I'd be totally fine with. I'd, just, I'd, I'd go with Tobias. That'd be the one that I would go with for me so that's going to do it everybody thank you all so much for being with us today uh look before you leave do us a favor hit that like button hit that subscribe button do me a favor also share this podcast but if you could if you're listening via podcast if you could give us a five-star review we would greatly greatly appreciate that make sure you sign up for the cfb nation where you can get all the lucky lefty podcasts on the cfb nation on the podcast app you get all the lucky lefty podcasts you get the cfb all america show i just put an episode up this morning of cfb all america uh, they talked about um, trying to remember what they what did they talk? They talked about uh, conference realignment, the Pac-12, the Big 12 stuff that's going on with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, how decisions with the TV revenue or TV deals could impact the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and all that. Really good conversation. Then they talked a little bit about March Madness as well. Uh, and, and we'll have some more things lined up here for that as well. So you definitely want to sign up for the CFB Nation podcast app on Apple and Spotify as well. And if you haven't done so, Please sign up for the boards, the boards at our boards at irishbreakdown.com. We'd really appreciate that support. Got a lot, a lot of good conversation going. We're gonna have a lot more intel as we get into now that recruiting is starting to heat up again. We'll have even more intel coming forward on that kind of stuff. So you definitely want to check that out. So um tonight, obviously, we have a I actually I don't I'm not sure if we're gonna have a show or night to, to not tonight with Sean and, and Jesse. Or Sean and yeah, Sean and Jesse would it be? I have to check with them on it. I know sometimes they do Thursday, sometimes they don't. I have to look into it. But it, you always know because you'll get a notification. That's why you hit the notification bell on the podcast. So anyway, we will definitely be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock for our Friday mailbag. I'm looking forward to that very much. So have a great day, everybody. Great rest of your day. And I look forward to seeing all of you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.